It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Annabelle Gerwich. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I know you're an actress. What made you decide to write this book? You know, um, I started writing this book when I found myself in a position that a lot of people I think are going to relate to, which is caregiving from my parents. Mm -hmm. They were declining and suddenly everything fell apart, their health and their finances, and we had to find a place for them to live. And um, I could not believe I was in this position only because I think no matter how much you're prepared for that, first of all, you never believe it when it happens. But also, I had always wanted to get away from my parents. <laughs> and I think like many people, I was like, what? this is the wrong family. I was born to the wrong people. Oh, yeah. And we had, I had a you know, pretty nutty childhood of uh, my financial instability and my dad's gambling and moving all over the country. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, how did I get to this place? This is not what I expected. Right. So I wanted to go back and tell the story of how I got to where I was and that experience, which was a really a fantastic experience of caregiving for them and re, a really reuniting with my family, but also a recognition that all these other, you know, chosen families, as, as they're called, um, people, you know, groups that I have joined over the years, my work families, my theater family, you know, these arts groups. And, and I think, so we all do this. This is how we live now. As sure. Humans. We move away from our family. We join other families. And first of all, we find out they're just as crazy as the <laughs> families that we left. Right. But not only that, I think that um, I see that they're, I, I recognize them all as families. And I wanted to write about how important it is to have these in our lives. Yeah, it's really interesting, and I have my own share of crazy familyness. Um, it's really interesting how we take those experiences. Sometimes we want to run for the hills and never come back, but then we come kind of full circle. Yes, um, I think that that's a, listen. That's a very human thing, and it's a very you know adult and mature thing. And and I and I hope when people read this, um, if they haven't done that, they might consider doing that. Although there's certainly people of their own stories. Oh yeah. Um, but I, it, it has made me a better person to, I think, a more generous person to to find that compassion. Also, I'm a mother, and I hope my son will do the same <laughs> for me one day. I really hope so. But, um, you know, I think that by understanding our past, our past we understand our past and mm-hmm. our futures better and the choices that we make. And so that, going back to these stories, I'd always wanted to write about these stories, about how your childhood shapes your life. Um, so it's very personal, though, and it's, it's, it's funny just launching this book as opposed to my other books. It just is a, it's a little more, you know, personal. And of course. I feel a little more vulnerable, and it's, it's been interesting just as I start to talk about it how uh, I, um, I don't exactly feel like myself, I, although I'm much more myself in a funny way. Right. Was there ever a time when you were writing this book or any of your other books when you thought, I don't know if I'll publish this. I mean, it's so personal. It's so private. It's hysterical. But, you know, was were you hesitant or you never were held back? Uh, you know, um, I had made it packed with my mother mm-hmm. that I wouldn't write this book until. Ah. <laughs> my mother got a two-year diagnosis of stage okay. four breast cancer. And I thought, you know what? I wanted to write these stories. I'll just start writing. Mm-hmm. And then she just lasted and lasted <laughs> for like five years and it became a joke with us i mean it became this really funny thing where i'd say mom you're not living up to your end of the bargain yes and, and we would just laugh about this and oh i love it and, and then i and then i just 
so I kind of talked to her into, you know, agreeing that I should write it. And then my mother actually passed while I was writing. So she oh, I'm sorry. Um, and I don't know. I, I know that there are things in it that wouldn't make her happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do also think that she, well, she was so proud of me. And um, actually talking to her about these stories of our life, they changed me. Oh, beautiful. I love it. Yeah. And I, and I, I never had a good relationship with my mother, but I started to understand her. So um, I wrote a much different book than I would have written if I was younger, you know? So this is how stories change. And I'll write a different book, you know, uh, you know in 10 years. I'm sure I'll think about it differently. And mm-hmm. One of the things I think we do as writers and as readers, when we read something that um, is about something personal, and I think a great novel is about something personal. I mean, any, any writing if it touches you, is, is you know, is, is personal in that way. I hope that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so when you read, you're reading someone else's story, fictional or non-fictional, and you're thinking about their story, but you're also thinking about your story and changing your point of view on it. And that's what I think is so incredible about the reading and writing process. Yes. And I hope that this book does what it did for me, for my readers, which has changed the way I thought about my own family. Well, it's so interesting when you when you think about this whole story, because sometimes when people write, they come from a perspective where they're bitter or they're angry. or And it's nice, one of the perks of age is you find the humor in some of the things at the time you thought were so awful. You can then laugh about it or find a different perspective. Yes. Um, I think, you know, that's what they always say, you know, Time plus, you know, tragedy mm-hmm. plus time equals comedy. It's never funny while you're going of through course, it. Of course, of course. But, you know, later you find the humor in it. And I and I think back and I laugh so hard about, like, the, the classes my mom and I took at her senior home together. <laughs> we did chair exercise class. And we campaigned <laughs> to get Casey and the Sunshine Band song, Shake Your Booty, oh, to funny. the lineup of songs to exercise. Love it. With, with 90-year-old women in in the in the home, I mean, yes, that was a victory. That you know what? It's a funny thing when that in your you reach a time in your life when that's a major victory. Oh yeah, absolutely. I wanted to share something with you. The theme of my show it's get the funk out. So I can imagine, obviously, growing up, you went through the your own share of funks and ups and downs. Was it theater that kept you grounded, kept you happy, or were there other things? You know, friends. Mm-hmm. I've always I've always had. Um, close uh, friendships, and I've maintained those friendships my whole life, and that's just been, I consider my girlfriends my, my sisters, oh. but a lot of sisters, and I hope that that's another message um, from this book that people will take, is to really value those relationships, and to, to, to consider what we, what we think of when we talk about family, who do we mean? And, uh, and I, I think the more people we make family, the better. I love that. I, I was going to point out that chapter, What Price Sisterhood Now, if you wanted to talk about that. Mm. You know, um, that is a chapter uh, in which I look at the way that multi-level marketing companies and other companies, and not, not just them and not, not just one company, um, have capitalized on our using... I think it's called social capital for financial gains. So, Mm -hmm. friends, like I just remember the first time I saw one of those commercials that said, turn your friends into dollars by recommending (laughs) them to use this phone service, which, you know, seems like a pretty um, innocuous thing. 
Right. Um, in the multi-level marketing world, I think what, what the one of the ways that they're using, uh, they're recruiting salespeople is to offer people who've been disenfranchised by regular employment or the old style of employment and are finding themselves alone trying to get work, not having those work families, and need uh, the support of a group, which is a really real thing. And so that is the recruiting tool they use, and um, that's a real thing that we all need, but whether or not you're going to be able to sell skin products from the trunk of your car <laughs> or energy drinks or whatever those things are, um, are, uh, are, are are a dubious proposition because most people don't make money in those. Right. And I think what that does when companies want us to get other people to spend money with us, it turns friendship into monetary gain. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's a dangerous thing. Absolutely. For all of us as humans. And so I really worry about that. And I saw that happen with people and um, I, with people that I know in my life. And that deeply concerns me. No, I agree completely. It's a thin line. It's a little uncomfortable. It can be really uncomfortable. What I tell about in that story is one particular company. I follow that story, and I follow the story, and people that I know who are recruited and have people hang up on them, and friends say, don't call me again. And, and I, I think that that's, that's, you know, I'm not, and I'm not blaming anyone. Everyone has the best intentions who mm-hmm. goes into those things. I just want to say I have very good friends who are doing this. Everyone has the best intentions, and everyone really needs the financial help. Right. And... I have compassion for all these people. I just worry about what this effect is going to be. Yes. I actually had an experience where I met somebody, they seemed really nice, and they said they wanted to, you know, talk to me, and it became very pushy and overwhelming, and I just had to cut it off, unfortunately. Well, I think so many of us have had that experience. Mm -hmm. And so that is definitely... um, the problem, and that's why I wanted to write about it. And you know, it's a little bit hard to write about because I don't want to hurt anyone. Right, right. No, I understand completely. Tell me about how you came up with the cover of the book. It's hysterical. Uh, you know, I can't take credit for that. That's a picture that was taken in the in the nineteen seventies, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> then the book. My my publisher came up with this. Um, really funny idea that we'd all be in this tiny little boat on this big ocean, and I uh. just love it. Of course, what the really funny thing is, is, and I, I hope readers will get a kick out of this when they read the book and when they see the book cover. You know, I'm writing a book about my crazy family, and um, <laughs> is there anything that says you come from a crazy family more than putting a picture of your crazy family on your book cover and having someone in that family say, I don't want to be pictured with all of you crazy people, we had to Photoshop one person in the picture's face out, and now uh, we've renamed the cousin in the picture Cousin Monique because it's a very exotic name. I have a new cousin whose face was born. She was born in the Penguin Random House. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. Yes, hilarious, <laughs> right? You know, I was wondering. I'm like, I wonder if her family read this book. I wonder what they think of this. So now I got my answer. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. That's so funny. You know, and you're not looking to hurt anybody. It's your your way of capturing your, you know, moments in time. Yes. It, uh, you, know, I, I, um, you know, I always think about, I every, everyone who writes books, you know, mm-hmm. we think about these things. I mean, I, very few people, I think, don't take this very seriously. Right. Um, we think about what we're writing 
I know that there are always people who don't like things I write. You know, yeah. um, I'm never trying to write um, a takedown. I don't, that's just not my job. Um, I'm always writing to try to understand the human experience. And, you know, I, and it's true, I, I make fun of everything, <laughs> mostly myself. Yeah. But um, I know that there are sometimes I get into situations where, you know, people aren't going to like everything I write. And that's just, it's just a hard one, you know. As long as I know that I'm trying to tell a story that I think has value, mm-hmm. I that's when I say, okay, that's what I'm going to write about. I always edit a lot, and um, I, I, some, I don't say I would ever regret things I write, but um, you know, there is sometimes a price. Sometimes some people will not be happy. Right. I mean, you can't please everyone. I like that you you stuck to your focus and you said, you know, this is what I'm going to do, and I might not please everybody, but this is what's in my heart and I want to write about. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I do, you know, I, I, I do try to, um, I try to be careful when I write. Mm-hmm. Writing um, to, you know, for, or I have to ask myself, is this a story that's important to tell? If, I, I, if, I, if I'm writing to, like, uh, to get, you know, for yeah. revenge, <laughs> I feel, sure, you know, I could, you know, I, I would enjoy that. Right. Or I'm writing because I, I just don't like something without a really good reason, then I, I can't write it. Sure. You know, if I have a really good reason, like, <clears throat> you know, I like to campaign against the phrase, don't worry, be happy. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just a little thing. <laughs> I really, you know, I, I think that that's, I think there's some things we should be worried about. I also take issue with the phrase, it's all good. It is not all good. I know, please. (laughs) And I really resent that phrase. So, you know, I will take on things like multi-level corporations and a phrase. Mm -hmm. That is the kind of ridiculous person I am. But, you know, if I have a justification for something, then, or it's a good joke, I'm going to go for it. I love it. There are some kind of peculiar phrases, like, no worries. You know, there's there's some all kinds of oddball phrases. You have to wonder where did that come from. <laughs> I, well, you know, the no worries, be happy things. You, you're just not going to sell me on those. Um, and I, I just hope that if if you are someone who reads my book and you are very attached to it's all good, mm-hmm. um, that you will rethink that. But you know, if you want to go ahead and keep saying that, you go ahead. But just remember that I also pointed out that it is not all good. Right. By the way, I wrote this down. Your paternal grandmother, Rebecca, actually sent you stuffed cabbage in the mail? <laughs> yes, she did. She had a hard time believing, um, I think, that it was that far away that I had really gone to school in New York, and I was so far away from the South, because we're, you know, the Southerners originally. And so she just couldn't believe it wouldn't last from Atlanta to my dorm at NYU. And yes. um, I was very popular with the dorm staff, as you can imagine, yeah. at NYU. The funny thing is, though, this is where I think, you know, it's just such a nutty thing that we all go through. So I, my, my grandmother would send me these packages, and then she would send me these strange things like a <clears throat> package that would have a fork a fork in it or a steak knife what and an open thing of aspirin and a dress she once wore the thing is she wasn't a wealthy person but she wanted me to know she was thinking of me my oh, mother funny. started to do the same thing as she got older she would send me packages i'm sending packages to my son at college now <laughs> I mean, of, of, of these kinds of things. Right. And I think that I understand now they were just thinking of me, and this was what they could do. Yeah, but sometimes you got to dig deep and go, what's the symbolism of that thing? 
Um, yes, I try not to go there, actually, <laughs> because, you know, is there, sometimes a steak knife is just a steak knife. Exactly. And I think that that was probably the best way to accept that. I love it. Tell me where people can find out more about you. They can go to AnnabelleGerwich.com, or they can find me on Twitter or on Facebook. I have an author page, and it will say that where excerpts of the book can be found, or the audio book clips, or where I'm going to be. I'm going to be touring extensively, and um, I'm really excited. I always try to put up family photographs from the book, and just, just you know, just some... Um, just, uh, I, I love to see people can send me their family photographs and tell me how crazy their families are, too. Oh, I love it. I could send you some. <laughs> oh, yeah. No names. No names. No names. You're in L.A., correct? I am in L.A. Okay, so I'm in Orange County, so maybe at some point I could meet you. Yes, um, I know I'm going to be having some events there. Um, just, if you just check my page, and we'll try to let you know. Okay, wonderful. And before we wrap, any uh, bit of advice for people that are aspiring writers? Keep writing. Mm-hmm. Keep writing. <clears throat> Being an aspiring writer is one thing. Aspire to be an, a, a rewriter. Yes. Aspire to be, because that's where the that's where it all happens. Mm-hmm. Just keep 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 writing. Keep improving. I'm always trying to improve. I always take I take classes. I work um I work on everything much more than I much more than probably anyone could tell. And um, <laughs> but I stick by that method. No, it's great advice. Annabelle, I want to thank you so much for calling into the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was great chatting with you.